1: Some developments overnight around ChatGPT parent company OpenAI. Sam Altman officially back as CEO. And Microsoft now securing non a uh, non-voting board seat there. Deidre Bosa is at the heart of Silicon Valley for today's tech check. Uh, the Wonder Cove Summit in Menlo Park, California, with a special guest, former NSA director Mike Rogers. Dieter.
0: Yes, indeed. Tyler, thank you very much. Um, Mike Rogers, Admiral Mike it's Rogers, to be here. great Dude, to no have thanks. you. Um, you have an interesting perspective on all of this, being in the government for so long, yet here on Sand Hill Road, iconic place in Silicon Valley, the conversation at WonderCo this morning has been all about artificial intelligence, right. the benefits and the risks. So I wonder from you, what role does government have to play in the development or the regulation of AI, if at all?
1: So look, government clearly, normally concerned about the safety and well-being of its citizens, also concerned about the regulatory or the competitive business aspects of this. So I look, I think there's a role to be played. The, the challenge is what is that role and how does it develop it or execute it? Because part of the challenge is most of this technology is being developed in the private sector, yeah. you know, out here and other places. Government doesn't have much expertise, much knowledge about it's not playing a significant role in its development, and yet the government has a significant potential regulatory role to play here. So it's gonna be about the power partnership, how do we work together, government and the private sector.
0: And yet it feels like we're waiting for the two to collide. Generative (laughs) AI and a presidential election next year. You were director of the NSA during the 2016 presidential election. How do you view the upcoming one? Do you think that this is a more perilous position in terms of misinformation and disinformation?
1: So clearly, technology is enhancing the ability to mislead, misinform, and quite frankly, attempt to manipulate or sway opinion based on false information, false images. So you have to acknowledge that's a dynamic. Now, there's a lot of work ongoing to try to mitigate that, try to make sure it doesn't have a significant impact. In 2016, for the first time, we really watched social media really use it at a significant level, as well as cyber, to attempt to manipulate the outcome. Our view at the time was it didn't work, but we acknowledged, hey, look, this is a level of effort out of the Russians we haven't seen before with a level of technology. So I think there's a lot of focus for 24. Um, you know, I'm comfortable that we are going ex- to have an election process that we as citizens can all believe in. Um, I'm sure there'll be challenges, but in the end, I think we'll get through it.
0: That sounds pretty optimistic. Um, I am an optimistic
1: person by background.
0: You mentioned the Russian interference in the 2016 election. There was a report from Meta today that says that China is an increasing source of covert influence and disinformation campaigns. They said that could get supercharged Mm. by advances in generative AI. What do you think um, voters, the government, et cetera, need to know about that interference? What does that tell you?
1: So clearly we need to try to make sure we understand it. We need to try to work hard to identify what is accurate, what is not accurate. You see this now, particularly with, so when we implement AI, for example, are we going to define products that have been generated by AI so that a consumer understands, okay, this is artificially generated, so to speak. There's lots of tools like that we're going to be looking at. In the end, as, as individuals, we just need to learn to be more discerning. Just because you see something or read something, that doesn't mean it's accurate, true, or correct.
0: Right. So the responsibility for deep fakes, right, maybe on the companies that are helped to produce them. But what about, for example, a TikTok, right, mm. which is a Chinese company. And, of course, D.C., um, where you have operated for right. a long time, has been worried about that. How big as that threat of TikTok in the upcoming so election? So, for example, we're right. done we, enough we, we
1: were worried about TikTok from two perspectives, yeah. I think. One was manipulation, propaganda, disinformation. The second was extraction of data based on the interface with customers that we have. Both of those issues are very valid concerns. I think there's ways for companies to address them. But the part of the challenge here is... <laughs> The Chinese model fundamentally allows the Chinese government, under the national security laws, the latest of which they just amended earlier this year, basically if the Chinese government says there's a national security application, they can access anything that they want associated with mm-hmm. the Chinese company. Um, and so my view is we have to build strategies that acknowledge that and account for that.
0: So not just an all-out ban. You think that there's ways of accomplishing that right. My banning? view is,
1: look, we, we probably are going to need to be a little bit new, more nuanced here. So for example, we might say, well, we're not going to allow this technology to be used By government individuals, not going to be allowed. This technology to be used in sensitive or classified areas. On the other hand, there's parts of it what I would where I would say, look, we should feel comfortable as society using it for something.
0: I want to ask you more broadly about the U.S.-China relationship. I know that you were watching APEC, which was not far from here in San Francisco just a few weeks ago. How has that relationship changed? I mean, it felt like they put a floor. That was sort of the talking point under the relationship. Did you see any significant ways in which that has changed? Is that going to be lasting? Do you see relation the relationship getting better?
1: So, first, I think both parties have come to the conclusion. I don't speak for the government, but my, and I was just in Beijing, coincidentally, about 10 days ago. Um, My takeaway is that both governments, China and the United States, have come to the conclusion that we need to build a strong floor. And what I mean by that is we don't want this relationship to get worse. And we don't want this relationship to be disrupted so significantly that it either has significant economic dimensions that are harmful to one or both parties, or we, we don't get into an inadvertently crisis or fight Taiwan or some other scenario. So you saw them talk about where they feel that we are compatible or united. What you didn't hear them talk about was, so what are the issues that are still out there mm-hmm. where we fundamentally disagree? I think they, they both came to the conclusion for right now, we're gonna focus on right. the positive, not so much on the negative. There's two things that I'd be watching for though that I think China will be in particular be very interested in. Taiwan election will be held January the 13th and the leader will then actually assume office in May. And we have our own election in November of 24. And that the Chinese will be paying great attention to both events.
0: And you brought it full circle. Thank you for that. Uh, Always (laughs) great to get your insights, Admiral Mike Rogers. Guys, I'll send it back to you over at headquarters.
1: Deirdre, thank you very much. Really
0: appreciate it. Our dear Gosa with Mike Rogers. You haven't heard about the
1: McCrispy yet. Well, then you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard.